Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 214, Interviews with the NWTF Board of Directors Candidates, Part 1. And I am your host, and the guy who is fired up about his upcoming hunting trip. But first, I have to tell you that I am extremely excited that we are 100 days, 13 hours, 56 minutes, and 12 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. 100 days. It won't be long. So this weekend... My Yankee buddy John from Virginia is coming down south for our annual winter guys trip slash hunt that we do. Last year, you may remember that we all loaded up and drove north across the Mason-Dixon line, which is just north of Birmingham, (laughs) which is just north of Birmingham, and went to Yankee land and hunted in Virginia with John last year at his farm that he has up there. And we had just a great time. It was a lot of fun, but it is a long trip in a vehicle. So this year, John's coming back south and he's going to hunt with us. And we're going to harass some squirrels and we are going to harass some rabbits. And we might possibly harass a deer or two. It just depends. The deer hunting is not high on the priority list for anyone who's going to be on this trip. But the squirrels and the rabbits. So we'll be hunting behind dogs pretty much the entire weekend. And I'm excited about that. I just probably like most of you guys thoroughly enjoy watching a hunting dog work. And I'm sure I'm going to end up posting some videos and some pictures on Twitter. So if you aren't following me on Twitter, you can do that. My handle is at turkeyhitman. So hey, since I'm headed off on a little trip this weekend, my intro and outro are probably going to be a little bit more brief than normal. And also because the interviews that I have with the NWTF Board of Director candidates are, I'm not going to say long because they're really not, but I have two of them for this episode. In all total, they're probably 45, 48 minutes, something like that together. And I'm trying to track down two more of the candidates that I have not been able to get in touch with. 
and I'm trying to nail down times with two others that I have been able to speak with but have not been able to work out a time that works for them and for me. So there's a chance, and I think it's a very small chance, that there will be four interviews in next week's episode, but I think most likely I'm going to end up with two interviews in next week's episode and the final two interviews in the episode before Christmas. Now, this still gives all of us plenty of time to complete our ballots, vote for the three candidates that we think are best suited for the board of directors for the NWTF, and to mail those back in so that our votes can be tallied. So if you have not already done so, you may want to hold off on completing your ballot until the last interview airs. Now, speaking of airing interviews, I'm giving these interviews to you guys in the order that I have completed them. The very first interview I did is with Sherry Crumley from Virginia, and Sherry's going to tell you all about herself and why we should vote for her. So here's Sherry, and I'll see you guys on the other side. Hey everybody, I am glad to tell you that I have on the line with me tonight Sherry Crumley, who is from Virginia, and Sherry is one of the candidates running for the NWTF Board of Directors for this year, and is looking for one of our three votes for, or I should say, out of the six candidates, and so I wanted to get Sherry on to tell us a little bit more about herself and why we should vote for her in addition to two other candidates. And so, Sherry, how are you today? Fine. Thanks so much, Andy, for calling. Good. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your night and coming on the show and letting us learn a little bit about you. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into turkey hunting. This is one of my most favorite stories to tell. I grew up in a hunting family, but like a lot of girls, I just did girly things, and my brother hunted with my daddy. Mm -hmm. But Jim and I got married in 1985, and in the spring of 1986, one afternoon, he said, would you like to go with me in the morning and walk to the top of the mountain and see the sun come up and see the wildflowers in bloom and maybe hear a turkey gobble? And I, you know... Being still a blushing bride, said, I can't think of anything I'd rather do than get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but we, we walked to the top of the mountain, and we saw the sun come up, and I saw the wildflowers. And then I heard a turkey gobble. And it was a life-changing experience for me. It was the most mystical, magical sound I had ever heard. So I went with Jim the rest of the season, and on the last day of turkey season, I said, next year I think I'd like to take a gun. And he never imagined that I would, as he said, want to kill Bambi. Right. And But I just, there was something about those turkeys. So the following spring, I booked us into a place that offered turkey hunts but then you also dressed in black tie for dinner. Yeah. So I was getting the girly part and the hunting part. And I killed my first turkey on Little Mountain in Hot Springs, Virginia. And that just got me going. Uh-huh. I just loved it like nothing I had ever experienced before. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's awesome. So did you kill your first turkey at the place that you had booked the hunt? Yes, oh, I did. Oh, awesome. That's great. So is it seems like I've heard of that place. Is it still open? Yeah, it's called the Homestead. That's right. Okay. All right. That's. I, I, it seems like maybe I read an article in one of the Turkey Country magazines about it, or it could have been on someone's blog or something like that. And I thought that was a pretty interesting take on, you know, a, a little twist on going to the hunting camp and, you know, all the stuff and all the stories that go along with hunting camp. So this is a much well, nicer it's a hunting very, camp. Yeah, it's just a gorgeous five-star hotel. Yet they are they have a wonderful shooting program and they have a staff that will guide you on a deer hunt, a turkey hunt, whatever. Mm-hmm. Very good. That's that's a great story. So let's talk about the NWTF board of directors for a little bit. Now I I know This that is gonna most... be another long story, Andy. Okay. I'm I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm all right with that. I know that most everyone running is involved in you know on the local level of their at least the local chapters but the majority of them you know on a state level so i want you to tell us a little bit about why you're running for the board of directors for the nwtf if you don't mind i served on the board well let me let me go back but i'll tell you how i got involved well i kind of married into it because of our family business tree bark camouflage my first convention was 1985, mm-hmm. and in the early 90s, I got involved with our local chapter and was president of our Roanoke chapter, and then I was asked to help with a promotional video on the Jakes program. So I went to Edgefield and did that, and I came home, and I told Jimmy, I said, you know, I am so impressed with what NWTF is doing with their outreach. I said, I think I'd like to get more involved. And he said, well, what are you thinking? And I said, I think I'd like to run for the national board. And he said, if that's what you want to do, go for it. I'm right behind you. So I called some friends who were serving on the board, and they encouraged me. Mm-hmm. And then I called a friend who has been very involved in wildlife organizations for a long time. And I told him what I was thinking about. And I'll never forget what he told me. He said, Sherry, it will eat your guts out. He said, you will think that it's only about the money because that's what 75% of your time will be spent talking about how we're going to fund everything. Right. But he said, if people like you and I are not willing to give of our time and our resources, we're going to lose what we love to do. And that made my decision so easy. Yeah. So I, ser- I ran and served on- was elected and served on the board from 1994 until 2000. And then I decided it was time for me to take a break. And I was asked several years later to run again. And because we were taking care of Jim's mom, who had Alzheimer's, I said, the time is just not right. Mm-hmm. And then in 2012, I was asked again, please come back. And it, the timing was right, so I ran again. So this, I'm ending my second term this time. And I'm so passionate about it. There's nothing more important to me than passing along and protecting our hunting heritage. 
and being involved in NWTF is an avenue for me to do that. Yeah. The reason I want to continue to serve on the board is that for the past four years, I've been chairman of the development committee. And development has not ever been a real priority with the Federation until a year ago or a year and a half ago. And now we've got some real weight behind the program. We've got a full staff. We have directors of development across the country. And I'd like to continue to see us do everything that I know we can do to get to the next level in development. Yeah. So first of all, thank you for your past service on the board. And that is, it, it's a commitment. I think a lot of people don't you know, really know what all goes into that. And so I actually had Becky Humphreys on the show last year to talk about the board and, and why they were so important and what functions and duties they serve. Because, you know, I think that most members of the NWTF, they see this postcard in their, usually the November, December edition of Turkey Country Magazine, and they see some candidates on there, and maybe they vote, maybe they don't. But I think, you know, a lot of people who don't vote, don't vote because they don't know what they they're don't voting for and who to they're vote voting for. for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was interesting having Becky on and having her tell all of us how important it is for the board and to do their duties and their functions and what all those functions are. So that was that was really good. I'm going to ask you a tough question. So what I would like for you to do is tell us a little bit about what separates you from the other candidates. And we get one, we get to vote for three candidates. We can't vote for any more. We can't vote for any less or else our, our votes will not be counted. So I want to know why should we cast one of our three votes for you? First, Andy, I will tell you that all six people running for the board are qualified. Mm-hmm. And that speaks volumes for the commitment of our NWTF members. Um, and I always hate this part because I sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but there's a learning curve when you're on the NWTF board. I'm experienced. Mm-hmm. Because of our business, I know a lot of people, I have a lot of connections. I can open doors. I love the people. I love the mission. And because I'm a woman and people don't expect me to be a hunter, I can persuade a lot of non-hunters to understand our way of life and mentoring people who want to get into hunting is very important to me. I have the time to give to that. And as I've said before, I'm just absolutely passionate about the NWTF and what we do. Very good. And I know that's hard because you know some of the, well, I I say you know, you may know all of them, but I know that you know some of the candidates. I know all but one. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's hard to say vote for me and don't vote for them just because of, I think it's human nature. As I said, they're they're all qualified. Yeah, yeah. So I, I totally get it. I, I understand that's a tough question. I appreciate your answer to that. And, you know, the like I said, the main reason that 
I want to do these interviews with all of the candidates is so we can learn more about them because I don't think a column or a third of a column, which is what most of the profiles are in the NWTF Turkey country, really tells us a whole lot about the people that are running. And so I appreciate what you're doing and the sacrifices that you're making and running for the board again. So, all right. Well, I couldn't do it without my husband's support. And I have many friends. And again, our NWTF volunteers are just a, a wonderful group of people. You go to our conventions, and if you go not knowing anybody, you leave with a family. That's true. You know, with us, it doesn't make any difference if you've got $5 in your pocket or $5 million. If you love to turkey hunt and the man or woman behind you in line going to one of our events enjoys turkey hunting, you all are going to bond with one another, and you have a new friend You're exactly or a whole right. new circle of friends. Yeah, you're exactly right. I know I've met quite a few people and made quite a few friends going to the convention and sports show in Nashville for the past four years or so. So that's been fun. Well, I have only missed one convention since 1985. And four years ago, my gallbladder interfered. And I could not go because I had to have surgery. And it was one of the saddest times of my life. But the thing that got me through it was all the calls that I got from people who saw Jim at convention and said, where is Sherry? And he told them stories, and they called me on the phone. Right. So, uh, again, we are a family. Yeah. And we have much to be proud of. That is very true. So let's stop talking about the business end of really the whole purpose of the call. Let's talk about something that is always fun for us to do and to share. Let's talk a little turkey hunting. So can you tell us the story of your most recent successful turkey hunt and one or two of the things that happened during that hunt that made that hunt a success? Well, Jimmy and I are so blessed. We live on 400 acres in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia, and when we want to decide where we're going to hunt, we go out on the front porch or the back porch, and wherever we hear them gobble, that's where we go. (laughs) But last turkey season, I heard a bird gobble in the same place morning after morning after morning. And I'd call, and he'd answer, and I'd call, and he'd answer. And I'd get close, and I'd never hear from him again. Mm. So the last week of the season... Jimmy said, come on, we're going to go after that bird. You know, we're going to go up behind him and see if we can't, you know, get to him. And together we did. Jim was on one side of a draw and I was on the other. And we got that turkey in and I killed him. But he, it was a very awkward position that I was in. Mm -hmm. And I had to turn the gun around over my face. And when I pulled the trigger... I busted my lip. Oh, no. (laughs) But it was all worth it. (laughs) But the thing that stands out the most to me about that hunt is that I just wasn't going to give up. Right. I knew he was there, and I was going to keep on going after him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It makes such a big difference. I think that a lot of us turkey hunters are pretty stubborn, and as much as we really kind of truly enjoy getting beat by turkeys. We don't enjoy getting beat by turkeys. <laughs> I know. 
Well, which is one of the things that um, we all have such a problem explaining. Um, right. How can you love something so much and kill it? Mm-hmm. You're exactly right. Well, that's but then a- people also don't understand. I had a woman at church one year say to me, you've been turkey hunting day after day after day. Isn't your freezer full? <laughs> and I said, I've yet to pull the trigger. So many people think that every time we go, we kill something. You're right. And you and I both know that is not the case. <laughs> you are right. And that's part of the fun of it. Uh, you know, if we, the chase. Yes, indeed. If we got one every time we went, we wouldn't go. You know, we'd go no. one time or two times, and that would probably be enough. So, yeah, you're right. A lot of people don't understand that, especially people see these animals. They see deer and they see turkeys when they're driving down the road. And I know you hear the same thing. People say, well, there's turkeys everywhere. There's deer everywhere. You know, I can't believe you had not killed one. I see 15 of them driving to work every day. Exactly. Uh, yeah. They're not scared of your car. Wait, step outside no. of that car, see what happens. <laughs> so. Well, and they don't understand that we don't kill everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they might see a field full of hens or a field full of jakes. Mm-hmm. And though, you know, in the fall in Virginia, you can kill hens, and it's legal to kill a jake any time, but because we're so fortunate to be able to hunt just about any time we want to, we're only going after those gobblers. Right, yeah. And do you and Jim fall hunt? No. Okay, all right. I, I know you we guys... bow hunt, and then we muzzleload, and then we rifle hunt for, for deer. For deer. And that's what we enjoy in the fall. Yeah, okay. I, I didn't know. I know you, you guys in Virginia have a nice fall season and... Oh, yeah. Also Very a winter season, season, too, don't you? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. So I didn't know if you guys fall hunted. Well, thank you again very much. I appreciate your time and appreciate the information and look forward to seeing you in Nashville in February. And please vote for me. All right. Great. <laughs> we'll do it. Thank you for running. All right. All right. Thank, thank you, you Andy. I appreciate yes, it. Yes, ma'am. Goodbye. And we'll see you in February. Sounds great. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. I hope that you enjoyed that interview with Sherry. She is a super sweet person. I actually know her husband, Jim, just through my buddy Chip, because Jim and Chip hunted together many years ago when Chip was guiding turkey hunts for an outfitter in West Alabama. So I got to meet Jim at one of the NWTF conventions, gosh, probably four years ago. In fact, it may have been the year that Sherry was out with her gallbladder, like she mentioned. But anyway, I am looking forward to trying to catch up with her and Jim at the convention. They're both just super people. And I know that Sherry would appreciate a vote from you guys, just like all the other candidates. The second interview that I conducted is with Robert Doc Detmer, who is from Missouri. And Doc is going to tell us all about himself here very soon. So let's get into the interview with Doc, and I'll see you guys on the other side again. Hey, everybody. I am glad to tell you guys that I have on the line with me today Doc Detmer from the great state of Missouri on the phone to talk about his candidacy for the NWTF Board of Directors. And so I'm excited to get to talk to Doc. He and I have spoken a few times over the past couple of weeks, just trying to nail down a a day and a time. But I'm 
interested in getting to learn more about him. And of course, I'm going to pick his brain for a turkey hunting story. So I'm excited to hear that too. Doc, how are you today and where are you? I'm at home, uh, Andy, and doing well. Fantastic. Doing well. Now, what part of Missouri are you from? Oh, kind of southeast. I'm roughly 80 miles or 85 miles south and a little west of St. Louis. Okay, okay. Yeah. Gives me an idea. Yeah, you guys have... Perhaps 35 miles west of the Mississippi. Okay, all right. Yeah. Yeah, you guys have a good number of turkeys out that way. Yes, we do. Yeah. Historically, we've had a great, great turkey flock here in uh, this area of the state of Missouri over the years, peaking, of course, in the 80s. And as is true of so many places, the numbers went down a few years back in the 90s and early uh, 2000s. But we've had a resurgence and we're in pretty good shape again. Fantastic. That's always good news. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into turkey hunting. Well, it's kind of fascinating, at least to me, in that as a child, we had no wild turkeys. Here in this part of Missouri, there were a few turkeys left in the state, but certainly none in my immediate area. And so that as a child, while I hunted with my uh, family, we hunted rabbits and squirrels, and then... I think my first deer hunt was in 1952 when I was about 14, something like that. So that when I was really a, a youngster, we had we didn't have deer either. But at the point in the early 50s when uh, Missouri started opening up the deer seasons, I got in on that. And I was as a high school student and shot my first deer, I think, in about 52 or 3. But again, that uh, still no turkeys. So that after graduation from high school in 1954, I went to the University of Missouri and did a pre-medical course and then eventually medical school after three years of undergraduate work, medical school for four years, internship for a year, then two years in the Army, and only after all of that time did I come back home to begin practicing medicine in 1964. Fell into a very sizable and energetic practice here in my hometown, and for the first three years I was here until 1967, I literally was just working day and night and had no time to even think about hunting. But a turkey season had opened in Missouri back in 1960. But, of course, again, I was tied up with getting my education and military service, et cetera, and then came back home and started practicing medicine and for three years just didn't have an opportunity to hunt anything. But one day in 1967, the postmaster whose our post office was just a couple of doors down from my office, and the postmaster had known me since I was a tyke all my life, essentially, and had always been a close family friend. He came over to my office one afternoon, and he he called me Bobbert. He said, Bobbert, we're going turkey hunting tomorrow morning. (laughs) I said, said, Myron, I've never even seen a wild turkey. Uh, I said, and, you know, I I don't know anything about hunting turkeys. He says, well, you've got a shotgun, haven't you? And I said, well, yeah, I have my granddad's old double-barrel L.C. Smith, he says, well, 
you run over to Butch's, that was our little local sporting goods store, and buy yourself a turkey call. When you get out of the office this evening, go over to Butch's and get you a turkey call. It's a box made by a guy named Lynch, and it'll have instructions with it. <laughs> and you read those instructions, and you practice with it a little bit tonight. I'll pick you up tomorrow morning at 4.30 in my Jeep. <laughs> so that's how I got started turkey hunting. And then, believe it or not, and I think I warned you, Andy, that when I get to talking about turkeys, I get very verbose. So you may have to cut me off here from time to time or <laughs> shortly. At any rate, we went turkey hunting the next morning, and he dropped me off up on a, at the foot of a glade up on top of one of our we we call them hills here. They're only about five, 600 feet high. Mm-hmm. And he says, now, Bobbert, you just go out there and find yourself to set up against the tree somewhere, and hopefully you'll hear a bird goblin. But he says, you go on and uh, you've practiced some with that lynch box call. Just do a little calling with that box, and uh, maybe you can tie up and get in with a turkey. And he says, I'll go on up the hill here, and I'll go to a different spot. Well, I hadn't been set out at the foot of this glade probably not 20 30 minutes it had just gotten daylight and i had been hitting the lynch box a couple times three three calls three yelps Mm -hmm. three yelps and that's all you could do three yelps then you gotta wait a while before you do three more (laughs) at any rate i had done that a couple times and suddenly up above me up at the top of the glade I hear this crazy sound, and I thought, hey, that's got to be a turkey gobble. I had never heard one before. Right. I said, that's got to be a turkey gobble. So I hit that box three more yelps. It gobbled again. And I thought, well, that's really something. And it was only a matter of, a, I don't know how long, but a very few minutes later, here comes this thing running down through the glade toward me. It was a big old bird. And I thought, my God, that's a turkey. And the thing came, ran right up to me, and I put the darn L.C. Smith on it and killed that turkey. Wow. That's how I got started turkey hunting. Killed the first one I ever saw or heard. Wow. Now, let me go just a little further, though. I got the bug immediately, of course. Have not ever missed a, a season since of hunting turkeys, but it was another three years before I killed another turkey. It was just one of those things, you know, a beginner who didn't know anything that just happened to get initiated to turkey hunting like that. But indeed, from that moment on, I was bitten and I've been bitten ever since. And that was, like I say, 1967. And this is 18. So I don't have a count on that, but it's a good number. That's a good number of years. 51 years. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it is 51 or two years. Yeah, 51. At any rate, then not too long after that, again, I had the bug and continued to turkey hunt. And I let it be known among my patients that I was really excited about this turkey business. And indeed, others of my patients were old turkey hunters. And uh, so that I had some good tutoring in those early years when I could find time to get out and go, and a lot of of good knowledge imparted to me. Then, of course, the National Wild Turkey Federation got going in 73, but I didn't know anything about that for several years. It just didn't 
hadn't trickled down to my little area of the sticks in southeast Missouri. Right. And finally, in I guess it was 75, I heard about the Wild Turkey Federation and that they were having a convention in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, I'd like to go to that. I'd like to find out more about this Turkey Federation business. And besides that, you know, I was already in love with the turkey. So my wife and I went to Kansas City where she and I had both trained. I did my internship there, went to Kansas City and went to what turned out to be the second NWTF convention. Wow. And one of the headliner speakers was uh, a fellow named Ben Rogers Lee, who we've all heard about. A couple of other guys who were notable here in Missouri, Leroy Browngart, who you perhaps have never heard of, but never have at any rate it was a, a a great thing for me and just further fueled my fire for the wild turkey i should tell you though that that second convention of the wild turkey federation was held in two meeting rooms and i'm talking like maybe 30 by 30 size or 30 by 40 two meeting rooms of the old Mulebach hotel in kansas city was the total space used for that convention that is amazing Compare that now to the Nash, to the Opryland. But that was it. Yeah. At any rate, I had missed the first convention, and I have managed to miss one other since then. But to my knowledge, I've missed two conventions in all these years. Wow. So, so you've, you've seen this thing grow, at least the convention and sports show, grow from being in two rooms to occupying, what, well over 100,000 square feet? That's correct. Yeah, it's just amazing. That is amazing. It's truly amazing. And I, of course, got the bug about the National Wild Turkey Federation at that convention and started investigating it. Indeed, there were, at the time I first went to that convention, we already had a couple of chapters in Missouri. And our state chapter president was the fellow who worked for our national headquarters for a while, worked for the NWTF for a while and then went on to form Wildlife Forever, who you've perhaps heard of, yeah. Doug Gran. Okay. Doug Gran was the Missouri State Chapter President when I started getting involved. And under Doug's tutelage, I then got some of my friends together who hunted turkeys over here in this little area of southeast Missouri, and we decided we was going to have a wild turkey chapter. So we formed ourselves a chapter got it chartered in 1982 and i was active in that chapter of course as we got it formed and a couple of years later was named the president of the chapter the local chapter and at that time we had so few chapters in the state that the state chapter was made up of the presidents of what few local chapters we had i know my chapter was the fourth one in the state of missouri But by the time I became our representative to the state chapter as the local chapter president, we were up to, I think, nine. That was just in two succeeding years, so that we were growing even pretty well right then. But I went, if I may continue to rattle on, I went to the state chapter as a, a director of the state chapter on the basis of being a local chapter president. And proceeded with the state chapter and eventually became the uh, president of the state chapter in Missouri. And on uh, finishing my term there, we were limited to two two two-year terms. 
At any rate, then in 94, when I was finishing that, I was approached by some folks about considering running for the national board, which I did. And thank goodness I was elected and began my work on the national board in 1995. Okay. And I'm delighted to tell you that I've served on the national board since that time. Oh, well. So, okay. So, uh, so that's kind of my history with the wild turkey. I have, of course, during my tenure, uh, served in every capacity except treasurer of the National Wild Turkey Federation. That uh, office of treasurer was held for many years by Earl Groves. You may or may not know that, but the treasurer was an office that the others of us kind of stepped past. So right. that I've served as secretary, vice president, president, and chairman of our board, but never as treasurer. And of course, uh, that is all in the past now. And I, again, after stepping down uh, after my term as chairman of the board, I've just stayed on as a director, which I'm now running for another three-year term as such. And uh, I think that's my story. Yeah. That's a very interesting story. You've got a long history with the NWTF, and I know there's a lot of people who can say that, but there's really not a lot of people who can say that, <laughs> if that makes sense. I, I know there's a good, <laughs> yeah, solid core group. Yeah, not too many have been, have been involved this long. Right. No, that's true. Right. And but so, what I'm so proud of, of course, is that the passion that I— essentially that fired up that first morning when I saw and bagged my first wild turkey. The, the, the fire that that started burns just as hot this instant as we talk on the phone as it did then and for every minute since. I've just been consumed by the wild turkey. <laughs> Thank yeah. God I was able to still can put in enough time practicing medicine to make a living. <laughs> but But... I've we'll been consumed by the wild turkey. Yeah. 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 We, can, we can all yeah, definitely I, I relate. Certainly, yes, that's, I know. I, I'm certainly not alone in my passion. I know that. Well. But that's, that's, the, that's the story. And, and it's for that reason that I now, again, seek re-election, getting up in years. But thank God I've been blessed with wonderful health. And my passion is just the same good as, and as intense now as it ever has been. So. So I just can't imagine not seeking re-election. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely understand that. My next question for you was to ask you, yes, why, why you're running for the board of directors, but I think you've kind of I think I've just that, answered that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, you <sir>. sure did. <laughs> so yeah, that's very good. I didn't know if maybe there was something you wanted to add on to that, but if not, I I believe you've answered it. Oh. I think I've answered it. I just, I still have the passion, and the only thing I might add, but that too is obvious from what I've already said, is I do have, of course, the long, long experience and a knowledge of the workings of the organization, having served at essentially every level. Right. And that well, kinda, again, every level except treasurer. Right. Uh, that kind of leads me into the next question. So, Yes, sir. And I'll let you expand on that a little bit. So why should we cast one of our three votes 
for directors for you? What what is well, it? Well, again, uh, we've separates you? we've kind of ex- yes, but but that I think is what I should primarily point out is my many many years of experience and my complete knowledge of the workings of the organization and my complete knowledge of of how we go about accomplishing our mission, et cetera. So it's primarily just my experience. But, well, no, that's secondary. Primary is the passion. I still have the passion. I love the Wild Turkey and the Wild Turkey Federation. Fantastic. So for that reason, I would I, I am, of course, soliciting everybody's vote. Yeah. I want to do some more. Thank right. God my health is uh, such that I, I can I have this choice. Absolutely. That is that's fantastic. So yeah. you've got a long storied history of turkey hunting and being very active in the NWTF, but I'm itching and I, trust me, I could pick your brain on what the organization was like. 40 years, 40 some odd years ago, but I'm not going to do it on this call. Maybe we can save that for another call a little bit later on. Okay. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm itching to hear a turkey hunting story from you. So can you tell us the story of your most recent successful turkey hunt and one or two of the things that helped to make that hunt a success for you? Andy, that if I tell you of my last turkey hunt and tell it truthfully, it will be rather anticlimactic. <laughs> in that, okay, is there another one? In you'd that, like you to know, tell us? Uh, uh, no, <laughs> no, I'll, I'll tell it. It's kind of funny. You know, our fall season has just finished, and uh, yeah. during the fall season, I usually hunt not only Missouri, but I, I typically hunt in uh, Michigan and in New York, where we hunt with the dogs. Oh, yeah. And that, again, is a passion of mine. I, I just love to turkey hunt with the dogs. At any rate, my last hunt, though, was here in Missouri just last month in October, two months ago. And it was a strange hunt. And, again, not noteworthy in with regard to tactics used or my skills or anything like that. It was one of those accidental things. I didn't get to hunt that morning. Went to my friend's property that I hunt on here, about four miles from my home, a little 150-acre area that's got some fields and some woods and a pond and stuff, and, and he has a few birds. So I went to his place to do an afternoon hunt. And as I drove into the place... I saw either four or five, couldn't count them for sure, turkeys that I thought were probably hens running into the woods. Oh, and this was perhaps a quarter, maybe not quite a quarter of a mile before I got into the area that I had planned to go set up in. And so I parked the car, walked over to where I had planned to go, thinking, you know, those birds are headed generally in that direction. Mm-hmm. And again, here in Missouri, uh, in the fall, we can hunt uh, all day. In, well, we can only hunt half a day in the spring, but we can hunt all day, and we can kill either sex. Right. So 
I went over to a patch of woods that were, I thought, kind of in line with where those hens were going. I was pretty sure they were hens. And and it was where I had planned to go even before I saw them. So I stuck a decoy out in the field by the woods I sat in, and I set up uh, myself against a a tree with a bush in front of it, uh, right in the edge of a little wooded area that was kind of in line with where I had seen those five hens. And so I got all set up and just started doing a little bit of yelping, and nothing happened. Probably 15, 20 minutes later, I looked down in the direction that I thought perhaps those hens would come from, and here they were. They were coming. Hadn't answered. Here come these five, and they were. I put the glasses on them. They were definitely hens. Mm -hmm. Five hens. And they were walking generally toward me. And I thought, man, this is fantastic. So I started doing a little soft yelping and clucking just to let them know that I was still there. No kikiing or anything, just some soft stuff. And they kept heading generally my way for probably 50, 75 yards. But then they just started kind of easing off to my left, not coming any closer to me. And this was when they were still perhaps uh, 120, 130 yards from me. Mm-hmm. And seemingly were, were just going to walk kind of sideways away from me, despite the fact I'd been doing myself my soft calling. So I ramped up the calling a little bit, and I got them to stick a head up and look, but then they put their head back down and keep going the way they were. And they were, in essence, leaving me. So these hens, after they had gone to my left ways, got into a kind of a drainage that had some brush and a few trees in it. And that thing ran, it was, oh, probably 100 yards, 150 yards from me, and they got into that thing and walked up it, again walking past me up toward the main woods of the place. Mm-hmm. And I saw them. I tried calling. Nothing. They ignored me. So they went up into the major woods, and I thought, well, that was that. They just, uh, it was obviously five hens, five old hens. And I just thought, well, you know, they're just not interested in anything. So I sat there for a little while, not seeing or hearing anything, and all of a sudden, I see them again. They're coming back. <laughs> they come back down through that wooded ditch-like thing that that they had walked up in. And so I start hitting them with a little calling again. Paid no attention whatsoever. No attention whatsoever. So they then started trailing off a little further away from me to the left after they got out of that ditch. And it's been getting to be perhaps 4, 4.30. It was still good in daylight. They weren't going to roost yet. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they are out. At this point, they are roughly, and they're just feeding, just picking along, paying no attention to me or anything. And they they get out into a, an open area, and all of a sudden, I hear a vehicle. Turns out, it's my friend who owns the property and his wife, come in up in their four side-by-side four-wheeler hmm. and come across the railroad track that was something I had to cross to get into the area. And here they come in that four-wheeler, and they get into the field where those five hens are, and they're only maybe a 
maybe 60, 70 yards from those hens when they come into the field in that four-wheeler. And, of course, the hens started moving away from them. Mm-hmm. And as they moved away from them, they were moving right toward Towards me. You. <laughs> yeah. So, so they saw the hens and didn't pay any attention to them and went ahead up through the field and up to their pond where they were going to check a trail camera or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, those hens continued to run, not run, they just kind of fast walked away from that four-wheeler because he's in there on his four-wheeler all the time. Right. And they came toward me, and I had my decoy still sitting out there, and I'll be darned if they didn't walk right up to it, and I killed one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's it. No skill. Uh. No no tactics, no nothing. They apparently, uh, in in the bottom line is, they were chased to me by a guy on a four-wheeler. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my last turkey hunt. <laughs> so, uh, sorry to be anticlimactic, but no. uh, that's the way it went. No, that's that, just the way it was. Yeah. When yeah. you're hot, you're hot. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, yeah. you know, sometimes so, that's just the way they are. You've hunted them long enough to know that. If they don't yep. want to come to you and they're not no, interested, those hens were no, they were not interested in anything but picking around, just feeding in the field. Mm-hmm. They were had no interest in anything. However, they did. I guess maybe it offered a little stability to them or something. When they got rousted out and headed my way by that four wheeler, they did in fact come right to my decoy. Right. Yeah, they could have uh, gone anywhere. I, yeah, yeah, they could have gone anywhere. Yeah, but they did in fact come to the decoy, and so that it was an easy, an easy twenty-five yard shot. Yes. And that was that. That is that. Uh, sorry to disappoint you. No, <laughs> I just don't. Uh, I can't give you any jewels or wisdom about about my turkey hunt. You had fresh wild turkey but, for Thanksgiving. That is not disappointing. Yes, sir. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But uh, that's that was my last hunt. Goodness Sorry, God. I can't oblige you with any kind of tactics or, or turkey hunting prowess. Well, I just didn't get to use it, utilize any of that. You know, the one thing that that does jump out to me is, and that's something that I hear a lot in these stories, and that is being patient. You know, yes. you, you yes. could have gotten up and moved and tried tried to get in front of where those that, hens were going, and that's true. But you yes. didn't. You still no, I didn't it. move the yeah. entire afternoon. I stayed right there. And other than the time that they had gone up into the woods and got away from me for a while, I still just sat there. And again, fortuitously, they came back. Right. But not to me until the darn four-wheeler chased them to me, <laughs> in essence. That's awesome. At any rate, that's the story. That's a great story. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Well, Doc, okay, I thank you very much for your time. I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation, and I hate cutting it off, but we I'm trying to be fair to everyone, and like I Surely, said, I could talk absolutely. to you for hours, but I don't think well, it would be fair to I other warned candidates. You that I, would be, I warned you that I would be long-winded when I, when I get to talking turkeys. I just get so excited and, yeah. uh, and, I and told, can't shut up. I told you that you and I would be a bad combination together if that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps I that's can do true. The same. Yeah. 
Yeah. Very good. Well, great. Well, listen, thanks for listening to me. Yes, sir. Hey, thanks for coming on and and telling us a little bit more about you. Those little blurbs in Turkey Country Magazine do a little bit, but they don't do much for us to get to know the people that are running for the board. And I feel like these interviews are important. So I thank you for taking time out of your schedule. Very good. Very good. All right. Best of luck to you. Thanks for including me. Yes, sir. All right. Have a great afternoon. Goodbye. You bet. Bye. All right. I hope that you enjoyed the interview with Doc. That turkey hunting story that he told is just too funny because I think we have all been there at some point in time. We see a gobbler out in a field by himself in the spring. We get set up and we call and he pays us no attention whatsoever. So it can be very frustrating at times, can it? And as I'm sure you can tell, Doc is another one of the candidates running who is very experienced, very qualified, and again, just a super nice guy. So those are our two candidate interviews for this week's episode. Keep these two candidates in mind when you're getting ready to vote for the board of directors. And with that said, I'm going to ask you for a favor. My favor of the week is this. If you would, please like and share the Facebook and Twitter posts for this week's episode. I would be very appreciative. There are some of you guys out there who consistently do that every single week, and I am very grateful for you guys who take the time and do that for me. It's a great way to spread the word about the show, but it's also a great way to remind those around you how important hunting is to you and all of us. Now we're at the part of the show where I must say thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.